0: Welcome to GM Street, part of the Winger Podcast Network. I am Tate Frazier, and on the line, Mister Mike Lombardi. Lombardi, how you doing?
1: I'm great, Tate Frazier. How you doing? I mean, you, you're just a busy guy. You got college hoops, you got pro football. I mean, you know, really. I mean, is there anything else you don't do? Well, really, this, think th- about it.
0: This morning at nine o'clock, my day started with NBA. Uh, it is now noon, and, and that now I'm doing NFL. And at one o'clock, I'll be doing college basketball. And by two o'clock, I'll just pass out. I'll just be asleep. Uh, no, for the two rest o'clock. Of the day. You're gonna
1: stop at Chick Fil A on the way home, and then you're <laughs> gonna drink about as much beer as you could possibly drink. Let's not. Let's not lie about. You this. know me let's too well.
0: You know me too let's well. Just be
1: really honest. <laughs> I mean. They asked me about. Uh, they asked me on No Bull about In-N-Out Burger. You ever go to? That, you ever see that In-N-Out Burger over by the LAX? Like right when you're pulling in.
0: Yeah, it's always packed. Because That's the first one I people mean, see I, when they I land. I swear
1: to God, yeah. they must be giving burgers out there. I swear, I've never seen anything <laughs> like it in my life.
0: It's like a social experiment. As soon as people land, especially you know somebody from North Carolina, when I first came out here, the hubbub was that I had to go to In-N-Out Burger, and then I went there and I was like, wow, I I feel like I've been tricked. I feel like they played a game on me, and uh, they do it right there by the airport. It's actually genius. Whoever decided that, whoever put it there, they're smarter than me. It's a gold mine. Yeah. I mean, you
1: can't get through the airport. Sometimes it's more crowded <laughs> to get through, the, through there than to get through the airport, and there's like a little cutoff I always make to go to the airport, mm-hmm. and, and it's backed up. Anyway, nobody wants to talk about my problems. Let's talk about—
0: Let's talk about Tennessee's problems.
1: Yes, let's talk about that. Yeah,
0: They, they got a lot of problems.
1: Did you notice last night, like, Pittsburgh knew every call in the first quarter that, that they were doing until they changed their checks— Like, Pittsburgh was just moving the ball effortlessly against them up and down the field. And Mm -hmm. I've never bought this Tennessee Titan team all year. You know I haven't bought them at all. And and I think, you know, Mariota didn't play well. He got sacked five times through four interceptions. But at the end of the day, when they can't run the ball and they can't control the pace of the game, they can't win.
0: Well, they added this thing uh, last night. I don't know if you saw this. The sky cam, I loved it, yeah. They tried to frame it as like a Madden camera so you could see behind the quarterback. So, Unfortunately, for you know the for you know Marcus Mariota and for Ben Roethlisberger, we basically could see their vantage point on every decision that they made. And seeing some of Mariota's passes from behind and seeing what he sees on the field, I mean, I think it exposed him a little bit. I, I don't want to blame it all on the sky cam, but it was tough. I mean, some of the interceptions he had were just like, you know, what are you seeing? I, I can see what you're seeing, but why are you seeing something different here? Yeah. What is going on? We're, it was, we're watching it was a
1: different game. There's, <laughs> yeah. there's no doubt we're watching a different game. You know, I like that camera a lot and I think it's really good and if you really understood the coverages it'll really teach fans the coverages because there's only really two coverages in football middle of the field open middle of the field close so mm-hmm. When the quarterback gets the ball and hits his hand, he if there's a player in the middle of the field, he knows it's single high. So he wants he wants to work the outside. If he sees too deep, he knows it's middle. Now there'd be man combinations and all this stuff that goes off of it, but what you can see is his ability to have to quickly make a decision and throw the ball. Like the first interception, he made the right decision. He just threw the ball inaccurately.
0: Yeah, it was bad. And then even the first touchdown that that uh that Roethlisberger threw was a free play. The flag goes oh, up man. for all sides, and he just basically throws it up. There are two Tennessee guys back there with Antonio Brown, and from the vantage point of the sky cam, I was like, there's no way he should catch this ball. This should at least be picked, but, you know, it's a flag, so it doesn't matter. And somehow Antonio Brown comes down with the ball, and it's a touchdown for the Steelers, and that pretty much summed up the whole night for the Titans.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, they got they started the game out touchdown field goal, and then they had three drives that they didn't do anything, and then they went field goal, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. I mean, then they just, they just dominated the game. I mean, look, I think the Titans are a nice – regular season team, but they're going to have to be more multidimensional. And when they get in the playoffs, they won't be able to do it. I thought that was one of the locks of the week was Pittsburgh beating them. Everybody had this as a big game. Oh, this is Tennessee's moment (laughs) to shine. I don't think Tennessee can shine. That's the problem.
0: Yeah, it's tough. I mean, they have six wins, obviously, and I think the record made people believe they were a little bit better than they are. But we have to give credit to the Steelers. I mean, people have been doubting them since day one with the whole Le'Veon holdout and leading into the season. Everyone was wondering what was going on with Big Ben. They've got eight wins. They have the same amount of wins as the uh, Philadelphia Eagles, so congrats to the state of Pennsylvania. They're yeah, but the wild. Eagles have
1: already planned their parade, so I, uh, <laughs> they've already bought all the confetti, so stop. Amazon's out of confetti. Don't order.
0: All right, well, this is the Saturday sit-down where you pick five games for people to watch out for this weekend. It is week 11, and the first game that we have up, we have the Cincinnati Bengals taking on the Denver Broncos, um, two three, and 3-6 teams and two teams that are not doing so great, and that's being nice.
1: Yeah, I think this is a classic game. Look, Denver, Cincinnati couldn't stop the run last week. Okay, and they struggled to slow down the run. I think they gave up over 180 yards rushing, and you know they were back and forth. And their defense, when Denver can run the football effectively, look, and I'm no, I'm, I don't like the heist whatsoever. And you know I'm always concerned when I'm rooting in his interest, but I think this defense has taken a beating for two weeks in a row. And if Vance Joseph has anything left as a head coach, and he can muster anything as a defensive coordinator. This is exactly the kind of team you want to play. They don't their tackle situation in Cincinnati isn't very good. Their offensive line, bad lines, typically don't travel well. And now you get them at home. And Denver, for all their problems, and I know they've lost two straight home games. They've lost to the Giants, and they've lost to the Patriots. They typically play much better at home. So I think their ability to run the football against the Bengals, the Bengals' inability to really consistently move the ball against them, I think it really favors Denver. I think this is one of those games where, and if Denver doesn't win this game, I think then when you and I are talking Sunday night we're going to we're going to basically insult Vance Joseph and we're going to put him on the hot seat cuz he if he doesn't win this one I think he's one and done.
0: And what about the what about Marvin Lewis on the other side? I mean with this Bengals team they keep running it back every single season. I mean are they are they just content with what they are at this point which is a really bad football team.
1: I think that they are in transition, and I think Mike Brown's smart enough to know that. I think that they've got a quarterback like Andy Dalton who's not very good, right? Mm-hmm. And they know Andy Dalton struggles, and they paid him, but he's not great. I just think, to me, Mike Brown will look at this and say, we have to get better in the offensive line, we have to improve. He loves status quo. He loves to keep things the same. So for him to make a change, he has to ask himself, who would I go to? Who's the next choice? Who's the next coach I would want to pick? I'm not sure he has one. So I just think to me, you know, I mean, Marvin, I think Marvin retires. I don't think Marvin gets fired. If Marvin retires, that's one thing. I don't think Mike Brown's just going to ultimat. because look, he let him make the change of offensive coordinator. So give this some time. Bill Lazor comes in. But look, if they can't run the ball against Cincinnati, I mean, last week Tennessee dominated running the football. I don't think Tennessee's a great team. I don't think Denver's a great team. Mm-hmm. I know Cincinnati's not a great team.
0: Yeah, those are three bad teams. Uh, let's keep it going. we got the Green Bay Packers going to Baltimore this weekend. Packers obviously 5-4, and four, the Ravens 4-5. and five. When you look at this game, what's a big matchup to watch out for? Well,
1: I think, look, uh, the Ravens The Ravens need to play a one-dimensional team. And with Brett Hundley, a quarterback, I mean, this is the perfect situation for them. It's an offense that they know pretty well. They've played against it before. Not that they have a lot of competition against the Packers being in the AFC, but they know this offense. This is kind of the typical. This is the New York Giant. This is the McCarthy. It's similar to what they can do. They can handle it defensively. I think they can put pressure on the Packers, and I think they can force some turnovers. They're going to need a young quarterback to turn the ball over. They're coming off the bye, and I think they can attack this secondary. They're playing against Dom Capers' defense, a defense that they should have success against, and Flacco's going to have to step up. This is the kind of game that I think Flacco usually plays well in. He's not going to get overly pressured. I don't believe in this game in terms of, you know, Clay Matthews hasn't been a dominant player this year. Uh, The rush isn't going to beat him. And I think they can make some plays down the field. Look, the Packers are a wounded team. And if Flacco, this is another one of those games where Flacco doesn't play well, and if the Ravens don't win well, then Sunday you and I are going to talk about John Harbaugh being on the hot seat because that's really what's going to happen is they're going to be they'll be four and six mm-hmm. and their season's over. And I just don't think Baltimore's ready to give up their
0: season. I don't think so either, especially when you're paying Flacco all that money. All right, next up we have uh, the LA Rams, the seven and two LA Rams going against the seven and two Minnesota Vikings. Case Keenum's revenge game against his old team, the Rams. This should be a fun one in Minnesota.
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, the Rams are undefeated on the road this year. Minnesota's a tough team at home. They play well. The thing that steered me in the direction of the Rams, I think this is a really close game. I I really, initially I thought with the Vikings defensive front playing at home, they would be able to harass Goff and really put pressure on him and make him have to play faster, which I think they will do. But this whole Case Keenum not getting the vote of confidence, this whole thing about their team really put him under the microscope and it made it very difficult for him. I think the Rams, watching Washington move the ball effectively against the Vikings last week, knowing that the Rams run the same offense that the Redskins run, and they put 30 on them, and I think the Rams are much better offensively than the Redskins, I think they'll move the football enough, and I think there'll be enough defense from the Rams to be able to win this game. They match up well. Both teams are good in the game. Both teams are good on defense. Minnesota's better than the Rams, even though the numbers say it's not but their talent level's better on defense. I just think the Rams will find a way to win this game. I've gone back and forth. I think it'll be a really close game. I just think this Case Keenum thing makes it more intriguing, and I don't understand why Mike Zimmer wouldn't say this, because if he puts Bridgewater in the game, mm-hmm. that's when I think the game could go awry. He hasn't had enough reps under live, fast tempo, which to me makes it seem like he's not ready to play. And how many guys have we seen, Tate, that are veterans that haven't had the real reps that that look rusty when they come in the first game. And if they make a quarterback change, which I think they will, because if Keenum throws struggles, that makes me worry about about the Vikings.
0: And we know Mike Zimmer loves Teddy Bridgewater, and I I do think that we will see him on Sunday, as crazy as that is. I do, and
1: this is why I'm going with the Rams. Not because I dislike Teddy Bridgewater, just I don't think Teddy Bridgewater will be ready. And I think the Rams know how to attack him. I think the Rams do a really good job of protecting Goff. Now, the one caveat that I would say to this, and I'm talking to both sides of my mouth there, the Rams have struggled this year when they played really good defensive fronts. I thought they would have struggled more more when they played Jacksonville, which they beat Jacksonville down there. It was a close game. Jacksonville Mm -hmm. played them really tight. They struggled when they play Seattle, a good defensive front. They struggled when they play Washington. Washington was healthy. That was a good defensive front. So for me, I, I thought that, you know, the, the better the defensive front would be, I thought that they would be able to handle it more. I'm just not sure that uh that that the Vikings are going to be able to dominate or they're going to be able to score as much. So I've gone back and forth on this.
0: And this is a potential playoff matchup, too. I mean, this is the class of the NFC North and the NFC West. So this will be a good uh, little preview for the playoffs uh, when they actually end up matching up against each other. So uh, next up we have another big game. This is Sunday Night Football. We have the Dallas Cowboys taking on the Philadelphia Eagles this is going to be a fun game we got the Clapper we got Doug Peterson we got all your favorite characters they're all coming together and we're going to watch
1: it together oh I'm so excited (laughs) we're going to watch it together I just love this. I mean, first of all, who is the clapper going to blame this week? I mean, they've changed left tackles. I think Sean Lee not playing is a real problem. Jalen Smith isn't a good enough player to play in there. I think this is going to be the... I like the Eagles here a lot. I think the Eagles go down there and roll them. I think the Eagles will smoke them. I think the Eagles are the better team. I think... Dallas is wounded, and what I never see from Dallas is an adjustment to a game. I never see Dallas say, okay, we don't have these pieces. We're going to make the rest of this work. I never see them do that. I never feel like they're able to adapt to the game and do the things they have to do. Now... Do I think Dak Prescott can put the team on his shoulders and carry him? Yeah. The problem is I'm not happy with the Cowboys' left side of their offensive line. Cooper's not playing nearly as well. Mm-hmm. The left tackle's going to be Bell. It was green. So now you have two guys over there, and that's is where the Eagles' strength lies. It lies right in their ability to rush the passer, and this is strength versus strength, and I think the Eagles' strength is much better. Plus, Wentz's ability to break tackles and make plays down the field, I think is going to be the key. I think once they get through the first quarter and Dallas gives it its best shot and it becomes adjustment football. I think Schwartz and the Eagles defense will make those adjustments that I think they will win.
0: And you said this last week, uh, maybe even on Tuesday, I think. Basically, if the Atlanta Falcons D-line looked so dominant against this this Eagles offensive line, there's no telling what the Eagles will look like because they are probably the best D-line in football. That front seven is unbelievable. So. They made no down. I off. mean,
1: and look, the, Cow- the Cowboys, and, and look, I think the Cowboys will create some problems against the Eagles offensive line, too. The problem with, if Sean Lee was playing in this game, I would probably favor the Cowboys. Yeah. But without Sean Lee, we saw the Rams go down there and smoke them. And then here's the thing, even if the Cowboys get the lead in the first half, we've seen this with Jason Clapper-Garrett all the time. <laughs> he kind of lays off, he kind of plays it. That's what happened to the Rams. They had the Rams beat. And they let the Rams back in with the third with the second half because they did nothing. I just don't see the Cowboys being an adjustment staff.
0: Well, they ne- they have not shown that they are are willing to make adjustments. Just smile on the sideline and maybe clap a little bit. So, but my oh, we're th- going to clap. Oh, we're they're definitely gonna gonna clap. clap. They're going to clap. But the only thing I worry about with divisional games are always weird to me, and I never know what's going to happen. So it could be a weird game where the Cowboys somehow, despite all the odds, just keep keep that offensive line together, and then they steal a win. But I don't know. The Eagles look like the best team in football, and there, there are no signs to show that they aren't. Um, let's do the final game of the week. We have the Miami Dolphins taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. A 4-5 and five Dolphin team taking on the 3-6 and six Buccaneers. There's obviously the Ryan Fitzpatrick question if he's going to play quarterback or not. Jameis Winston in the news for not-so-great things uh, this week, but uh, what do you see on the field between these two
1: teams? Well, look, I think Miami, uh, like Miami's Miami been embarrassed. Every time Miami's got embarrassed, they go home and they play a better game. I think this is a better situation for them. They'll play against the Tampa team, that they'll know the coverage, they'll understand everything what they're going to do. Miami will get a good read on things. This is not, in spite of their efforts against the Jets, Tampa typically isn't a great pass-rushing team, which is what Miami needs to be successful. This is the kind of game where Miami plays well, and you think they're better than they are, and they're 5-5, five and, five and they think they're right in the thick of things because they've beaten some bad teams. I think Tampa, I know Mike Evans comes back, but I think Tampa mm-hmm. with Ryan Fitzpatrick is due for a clunker down there. I know I know that they're not going to be able to really run the ball, and I think that when you watch these two teams play, as bad as they are, I think Miami's actually the better team, and I think this is one of those games where Miami comes out and plays well, and I think they'll win the game.
0: Yeah, well, Kenyon Drake has been, he's inspired some hope on that Dolphin team, so... Hopefully you can keep it. Yeah, going. You know, I,
1: I think it's time. I, I think when you get your when you get beaten as bad as you are on a short week, I think the best thing is when you get beat on Monday night as badly as they do. You have a short week. Mm-hmm. You get the players' full attention, and their season isn't over. I just see this whole Jameis Winston thing, this whole Tampa thing, seems like it's in complete disarray. I, I know Miami's had their obstacles all season. I don't see them being in disarray. I think they'll move the football effectively on Tampa because they're playing a the coverage. I think this is when Adam Gase is really good. He knows the coverage. He can predict it. He can get the throws. He wants and I think they'll move the football effectively.
0: And if you're talking about the hot seat, Dirk Cutter, he might be he there, might be on yeah, the land this can, weekend.
1: Yeah, he's going to he's been on the land for long. He's brought his toothbrush with him everywhere he goes.
0: Yeah, it's uh that'll be fun. That'll be tough to see if uh, if Tampa can't turn things around it doesn't look likely that he'll be hanging around there any longer. Um all right Lombardi that's been good. we got our five games this weekend. Is there anything else, like any matchups this weekend you want to look out for? Or are we good? Are the, are the people ready?
1: I think we're ready to go. I'm really excited to watch the Clapper coach. I'm ready to go. I want to see what he does. I hope he proves me wrong. I want to see what he does. and I think we'll know a lot. I think the Raider game is going to be fascinating in Mexico City. Patriots stayed out west. Patriots, to me, seem like offensively watching them on tape. They're humming pretty well. they got things going. Uh, And I think the Saints team, I think this will be a really good game in New Orleans. Mm -hmm. I think it'll be close. It'll be a close game. I think the Saints will move the foot. I think Washington's a beaten up team. But I think the Saints will have all they can take against Washington. The other game that I think is going to be funny, it's going to snow in Cleveland. And, you know, it's hard to run the football in the snow, which means Blake Bortles might have to throw the ball in this game, which means Cleveland has a really good chance to win. Do you know, Tate Frazier, (laughs) that other than John McKay, uh-huh. The legendary coach who at the USC who went on to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who was retired probably before you were born. He wore a floppy hat all the time, looked like he was going fishing. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was 0-25 in his first 25 games, coaching the expansion Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Hugh Jackson's 1-24. and and I'll give you another little nugget just to throw a little thing. Do you know Hugh Jackson's never won a game as a head coach? The last game he's won on Sunday has to go back to his time at the Raiders. I mean, his last two victories as a head coach happened on Saturday on Christmas Eve. He might just be a Christmas Eve coach.
0: Well, maybe that's his gift to the world. It's the gift that keeps on I think giving. It is. His two wins. Uh, this that's, has been. A, <laughs> that's my nugget for you. That was a good nugget. Uh, this has been another edition of the Saturday sit down on GM Street, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. We will be back Sunday night. Myself, Mike Lombardi. Thank you, Lombardi.
1: Thanks, Dave Frazier. I'll see you Sunday.